Sometimes Nuffle says no. Nuffle says no quite a lot, though. Welcome to the Players to Nuffle podcast. I'm joined in this very first episode with Josh, Matthew, and James. I'm Riley O'Connor. I've been playing Blood Bowl since the 2016 edition. I run a league here in Huntsville, Alabama called the Rocket City Blood Bowl. Thanks for the intro, Riley. I'm Josh. I run the tournament portion of Rocket City Blood Bowl. And I actually didn't get started in an edition. I started with the Blood Bowl 2 video game. Hi, I'm Matthew. I currently live in Chattanooga, but I'm originally from England. I run some Blood Bowl leagues and uh, tournaments in the area. Um, I've been playing Blood Bowl since 3rd edition, so I'm the old man of the podcast. Hey up guys, Carpool here, aka James. Started off my Blood Bowl and back in the 5th edition days of the Metal Minis. Uh, Known for Nuffles Playground and hosting a variety of wacky leagues over in the Atlantic City area. So in this podcast, what we're going to do is have various guests on from around the Blood Bowl world where we'll talk about their experience in Blood Bowl and discuss some of the interesting ideas about Blood Bowl variations, rules, how to organize your Blood Bowl community, those kind of things. And so hopefully we'll meet a lot of people along the way. We'll hear some interesting stories and um, get to know you guys, too, who are listening to this episode. So we're all gathered here today, uh, live in person, which isn't unusual because it's our first episode, but normally we'll, we'll be separated by distance. Uh, so why are we all here today? We, we all gathered here in Huntsville to play in the Surface of the Sun tournament for the Rocket City Bubble League. Um, yeah, we're just getting off that, that high. Uh, I ran the tournament. Fortunately, we had an odd number of people, so I also got to play. Uh, the record doesn't reflect how fun and close my games were, but I did, uh, I did get the wooden spoon uh, spanked by the wooden spoon. So I got I got three losses with my Norse, uh, relatively new Norse player. But uh, I don't was... know, Riley. The, the, we do know that the wooden spoon is the highest, most prestigious, and most significant <laughs> award at any given Blood Bowl tournament. That's just how it is. I didn't say I was proud I unlocked it. You, no. you should. I, I have three wooden spoons. I got, so some, you, I got some catching up to do. Yeah, you've got a while to go. You have all these first place trophies, but... Where it really matters is all those wooden spoons. You cannot make soup with a first place trophy, <laughs> can you? Um, spoon, you're good. Though your your spoon is covered in gold paint, so don't do that. That's a bad idea. Also, don't use that wooden spoon. Okay. Well, now I want to see if I can make a make a lentil soup with that first place trophy from the, the Chattanooga event. Give it a shot. Normally, I run our local events, but today, due to unforeseen circumstances. Riley took over and was kind enough to keep things going in my absence. Um, we did get the we did get the swag in though, and this set. So I'm a big fan of enamel pins, which break the bank every tournament, but they do look very pretty, and I'm very proud of them. So we do do a set of enamel pins for every event, and the pins and patches and all that stuff came through. So that was nice. The least. pins are nice. They're great to just set out as decoration. I wore them on the, the lapels of my Hawaiian shirt at the Weird Al tournament. Oh, yeah. So I wish I had thought of that. That, of that was, that was a good pins. idea. I wish yeah. I had thought of that. All, all of your, your swag is always a, a home run. Well, as a participant on the day, rather than having to organize it, I can say I had a great time. And uh, 
yeah, it was well organised, lots of nice swag, and we all had a fun time. So that's good. We had some folks travelling in from pretty good distances, drawing a lot of people from Tennessee because somehow Nashville still doesn't have a community going. But we'll change that eventually. Well, uh, yeah, we're working on that. We're trying to grow the community in this area because this has been a bit of a bubble desert down in the southeast region, excluding Florida. So we're hoping that uh, maybe you guys listening out there will come to our tournaments and uh, come meet us. So Yeah, and I am speaking to you, Birmingham people. Mm-hmm. We're an hour away. I expect some attendance and I expect you all to host some events. Because I want to go to stuff that I don't have to host and don't have to pay for. That'd be really nice. Well, don't you know it's really hard to get someone to come five minutes down the road? It's the hardest. <laughs> we'll get yeah, someone. That's from... why local people never go to events. It's always traveling people. We'll get someone from Sweden before the guy around the road. <laughs> well, at the last Mississippi event, there was a guy from Australia. Oh wow! Yeah, he wasn't there specifically. He, he wasn't the there ball. specifically for that, but but, but it was a happy circumstance. It was like a happy accident that there was a bubble event that weekend. Well, that's why giving a trophy out for whoever's come the furthest and the shortest. Just for... yeah. <laughs> I really like that. I need to start doing that. That You also give a trophy for the local who performs the best. Yes, that was basically like that. so that uh, all the new people who just started playing uh, didn't get discouraged when they got beaten up by a bunch of very experienced people who traveled 10 hours to come join us. So. See, my problem with that is a lot of our locals bring some of the hardest rosters. And so I would be handing out, I would probably be handing out some trophies to some pretty degenerate rosters. <laughs> well, you've you got to know your audience. I kind of just mostly had shown people this game and uh, there wasn't many of them who played it before, only a little bit on the computer. So this was basically new to them. So I knew that they're... Um, I didn't want them to feel discouraged, so someone had to walk away with something. So yeah. at least one person will play with me the following week. <laughs> no, that's that's always important. And... Well, some of us did better than others. I didn't get a wooden spoon because I got the most touchdowns. I can call that a successful day. Well, what team were you playing with, Matthew? I was playing with Cheaty High Elves. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> who, um, who, to be fair, Riley kicked my butt for most oh. of the game, and then I just, with a sneaky dice roll, got the win. So at the very end, the at whole, the very end, the whole game was beating him up. I took a uh, Lord Borak, who's got dirty player plus two, and him by himself casualty three high elves. Oh, and when he got and caught on the first play. one, managed oh, to uh, the, argue the call. I argued the call, and he stayed in there almost the rest of the game. He yeah, got kicked eventually. That's I, I wish I'd seen it. That in that three-three tie. Yeah, that Even was because we were just going for like scoring as much as possible. That, that's cool. That's, that's it was, fantastic. Well, it was only one one touchdown in the second half. Oh, okay. that was re- you had five <laughs> touchdowns, and one of the teams was Chaos Renegades. These were not yes. fast touchdowns. Yeah, because wow. he's got an elf. That's an that's an elf. That's an elf team. Sure. I told him I wasn't after the win. I just wanted to score as much touchdown as possible, and he seemed to go along with that. Yep. Got the trophy. That that sounds it. like that sounds like collusion, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the way Blood Bowl was meant to be played. That's that. Yeah, the, that, that, the, I, elf, that's yeah, the elf yeah, mind. That's the elf mind. That's fine. There was no bribery and corruption involved here. It was completely legal corruption. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind. What you play Blood Bowl, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping to do a bit more advertising for the next event. This one, 
I think I we talked about this earlier, but summer may be weird timing for people traveling. Yeah, it's so almost. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how the fall goes. It's just a lot of people have a lot of conflicts too. There's weddings. Uh, there's just other events that people do with their lives. Yeah. Usually vacation. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's probably one of those topics we will address in the future on an episode about when to time your po- uh, your tournament. It's actually mm-hmm. speaking. Or how to get out of a wedding or funeral. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I think that's a different podcast. <laughs> but one topic I do want to cover at some point is what to do when everything fails for your event. Not the event itself fails, but just everything is going wrong at every turn. Because that, that definitely happened to me for this one. And well, the number one plan too. is have some good friends, I think, who yeah. uh, come Thank in you, save Riley. Your, save your butt when you need it. I was trying to think of a smart-ass joke, like, oh, who, what friends are those? I couldn't think of anything funny, so... It's okay, you can be genuine, it's I'll, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you as a friend, too. Outside <laughs> and inside the All right, well, I think it, we can say we'll say that it was a successful day and we all had a great time. Coming up in today's episode, we'll be talking to America's most prolific Blood Bowl tournament player, who does a lot of other things beside. And later we'll be having a discussion about quirks in tournaments and why you should have one and what's too much and what's fun and interesting ideas you can use. You're listening to Players to Nutball. And so who is our guest and how might we know you? Hi everybody, my name is Sean Cowley, uh, nap name and fumble name House Blackfire. Uh, and you probably know me as that guy that's showing up at your tournament from all over the place. Uh, I play in a fair number of tournaments uh, around the continental United States, a few uh, across over the borders uh, into other countries, but um, I am oftentimes going to be the person that is uh, difficult to schedule a fumble league game with during the weekend because I'm usually on the road playing in the tournament. Uh, so that's probably how you would know. And so by my count, which was last week, so it's probably inaccurate by now, uh, Sean has played in 112 tournaments since 2019 and played 436 tournaments games, which is quite amazing. Anyway, uh, so Sean, how did you first of all get into playing this crazy game of Blood Bowl? Yeah, sadly, I wish I could win a few more of those uh, 436 games, uh, but uh, it's been it's been a fun ride. Uh, I got involved in the game uh, relatively recently compared to a lot of people that are involved in Blood Bowl. Uh, my younger brother... Uh, runs uh, a developmental level league uh, in the Metro Detroit area where I live uh, and needed an extra player for a league uh, that started in spring of 2019. So I think between Christmas and New Year's, he he cajoled me into uh, giving the game a shot, playing a couple of halves of the game. And actually, uh, after those two kind of halves of the game, um, I, I really wasn't kind of sold on it. Uh, actually, what sold me on the idea of it was that uh, uh, we both work a lot, and it allowed me to spend some time with my brother on Monday nights, which was his league night. Um, and so uh, in the beginning, I was kind of, I thought it was complicated, really didn't understand all the rules. There were a lot of interactions that if you're not familiar with the game, obviously, it it, uh, it takes uh, some time to get used to. Um, but I, I fell in love with it, obviously, over the course of that season. And, well, here I am now. And before you got into playing Blood Bowl, had you played other uh, and other miniature games or board games or video games? 
I mean, we we had been sort of a a, a board game household uh, growing up. We didn't have video games in my house for most of our developmental years. Uh, I think my first video game system was a PlayStation back in the in mid '90s when I was in high school. Um, we played uh, a fair number of board games, uh, a, a little bit of uh, other types of games. I had some magic cards at one point. Uh, I think there were some D&D books flying around at some point as well. Uh, we played Hero Quest, uh, stuff like that. I really don't play any other miniature games uh, other than Blood Bowl is kind of the one dalliance into the miniature environment for me. Better give a call out to Hero Quest because I loved that game back when I was growing up. So. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great game. I was really excited when they uh, when they re-released it, and uh, I bought I think all but I think the the newest of the uh, expansion packs for it. Yeah, I've been picking those up. I've been getting my kids to play so uh, see if they can learn how to cooperate in a dungeon. They're not very good it's at a, it yet. It's a great intro game from that perspective. I've got a mm-hmm. uh, a nephew uh, who's in first grade, and we've kind of got him into games uh, with it as well. Yeah. So Blood Bowl was your, your kind of first foray into this as an adult, though. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say it's uh, rather interesting because I feel like most people step from another kind of specialist game into Blood Bowl. So it's it's interesting to see that this was your was your first jump and 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 it stuck. Yeah, it was, and 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 I, like I said originally, I thought it was really complicated in the beginning, and, and of course it is a fairly complicated. And there's a lot of rules interactions, um, just figuring out what the dice do, and, and and all of the the positioning, and and two dice versus you know one die, and, and everything really takes some time, I think, for for the average beginner to pick up. And it took me uh, a fair amount of time as well, and I'm obviously still learning, like everybody. But um, it's been uh, it's been a fun ride. I've really enjoyed it. All right, so let's uh, move on to some tournaments. So why don't you uh, tell us about the very first tournament you went to? Man, the first tournament I went to was that fall in 2018. Uh, We uh, had played in, I I played that first league. We finished in that summer. I was in my second season of a league. uh, And I went to uh, the Buckeye Bash uh, that Nick and Aaron Borer run in, uh, in Lancaster, Ohio which would have been in October of 2018. I can even tell you about the roster because I, I still remember it. I had a, I had a, I played Nurgle because that's what I was playing in uh, my league, which shows you what I thought about tournaments at that time. I never would have taken Nurgle as my first team uh, you know, in retrospect, but uh, I played Nurgle with uh, three bloaters, no big guy, and four Pestigors, and he let us stack skills, so I think I had two block fall mighty blow Pestigors. I'll defend the Nurgle choice. I played that in my first tournament because then I could blame them for losing. There you go. <laughs> so how how was that how was that experience of going to your first tournament then, and why did you pick that one? Yeah, it was interesting. I was already uh, at the time. We have two major leagues in in the the, the Greater Detroit area here uh, that I play in. Uh, one is, is sort of more of a developmental league, uh, and one is is sort of the, the, the major leagues for, for the big boys, so to speak. Uh, and I had already gotten an invite into the bigger league, um, which uh, a bunch of the, the top players in the area play in. Uh, and so I was uh, also going to be going to uh, my first, what I thought was going to be my first tournament was going to be Underworld Cup, uh, which my friend Saul Nicely runs, uh, Flying Nickel. Uh, and I didn't want that to be my first tournament <laughs> because if I was going to get my butt kicked, I wanted to do it in a place where I didn't know anybody. <laughs> so 
uh, I chose that tournament because it was a couple of weeks beforehand. Um, at the time, Underworld was traditionally run like the second week in November. And so I had a couple of weeks in, in October to get myself together, so to speak, before I, I gave it a go at, at Underworld. So that's kind of how I how I chose that one uh, in the first place. Uh, but of course, uh, you know, be, be, you know, it, it, ironically, having gone to the tournament, uh, Nick and Aaron are, are very good friends now. Uh, I know a lot of those Ohio guys pretty well. Uh, and, and I've been back every year for tournaments uh, when they're hosting them. And actually this year, uh, Nick and I actually, we bet at uh, a friend, Sean Hennessy's tournament at Ogre Ohio. We, we put a bet on that uh, the two of us would build each other's rosters. So I have absolutely no idea what I'm playing, but it's probably gonna be something ridiculous like 12 brawls or you know something like that. Yeah, I, I'm uh, good friends with Nick too, because I used to live in that area. I've moved away since. And um, I was almost at that same tournament that was your first, because I just moved to the area. And uh, okay. unfortunately, that was when I was in the process of moving. So I was gone that weekend and couldn't make it. Yeah. So I missed small your very world. first tournament. Small world, yeah. It is a small world. Yeah, that it is. Um, I, would, I would definitely say it's kind of funny, you know, the amount of um, of, of connections you, you make and and the kind of connections that they build in even your own little local circle. Things that you would never know. You, your your uncle or or the the guy who you frequently see when you go to head and pick up your next loaf of bread. Their son might be going to the same tournament you are. It's it's funny how Blood Bowl has that kind of connection. That's that's absolutely true. I'll give you I'll give you one more uh, example of that. So I, I picked it up and I got the tourney bug pretty quickly, uh, and then COVID shut everything down. Obviously, uh, almost immediately afterwards, uh, and and so um, because of that, I, I sort of told myself when the world picked back up again um, after that uh, in 2021, uh, I was going to go to as many tournaments as I possibly could. Uh, because I really liked them and, and wanted to sort of make up for lost time. And so the first major set, the major first major 11s event I went to uh, after COVID reopened things up uh, was the, just the first one that popped up was this tournament in Texas. And I didn't know anybody down there. Uh, and uh, so went down to uh, Mayhem in Austin in May of 2021 uh, and ended up in the first round uh, against a guy named Dave Hanrath, face stomp. Uh, he and I had a great time together. Uh, I met uh, the tournament organizer, uh, Brad Arterberry, horns up, uh, and uh, uh, Mike Patterson, Macbeth Nine uh, as well. And now the three of them are three of my best friends in the entire game. Uh, we go to tournaments all the time together. Uh, we go to La the LVO in Las Vegas every year together and have a great time and party all weekend. Uh, and so it's funny how, you know, these things just kind of happen sometimes. But they, this game has been very good for that, uh, in my experience. I have friends all over the world now that's another reason i play so many tournaments now is that i've got everybody that wants me to come to their tournament uh, so you know i can't say no to friends so and so i guess you have uh two answers uh for for uh the next question i was about to ask and uh why do you get to so many tournaments so would you say covid was really like the big jump start that just was like you know what i gotta i gotta make this happen i gotta make up for lost time so um i i I got my teeth kicked in playing on, on Fumble online tournaments during COVID to a fair extent. Um, I, my, my online record is not so great <laughs> um, because of that in large part. Um, but uh, yeah, I think in part uh, that that had something to do with it. Um, you know, I had uh, I had just sort of decided that I wanted to get out there and I wanted to play a little and see if I could be any good at the game. 
uh, really, from a competitive standpoint. Um, and and these days, it's it's equal parts of that and wanting to see friends that are either running the tournaments or going to the tournaments. Yeah. And so uh, how do you go ahead and like um, make that happen? Like, do you kind of lay the groundwork for like everyone who knows you in your immediate social circle, like in your 10 mile radius and your work radius? Like, hey, look, you know, uh, you know, I got these tournaments on the weekends, you know, hasta la vista. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess so. Um, you know, my job allows me uh, at least a fair amount of flexibility as far as weekends are concerned. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an attorney, so it's kind of there's a set amount of work that needs to be done at any given week and any given month. Um, but, you know, what I'm doing on a Friday afternoon doesn't necessarily have to be work. Um, so that helps a fair amount. Uh, I have an understanding girlfriend uh, who uh, is very willing to allow me to travel uh, a fair amount as well. Uh, she does uh, accompany me to some stuff. Uh, she went to Malta with me for uh, Euro Bowl last year. We'll be in Spain for World Cup this year in the fall as well. Uh, the, the main reason I get to go to Spain this year is why I'm taking my wife. So. <laughs> there you go. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt, you know. So uh, I think that when uh, when when World Cup is is you know somewhere like Cleveland, maybe that'll be a harder sell uh, to. to get I'll be in Cleveland. It's not that far. <laughs> yeah, if that was the case, but uh, agree, right? yeah. so, um, I quite yeah. like the idea of traveling back to Europe, though, because uh, that means I can go back and see my folks there. If you can't tell, I'm from England, so there you go. Yeah. So, so yeah. Other than that, um, as well, I've got um, a fair amount of league stuff that I'm involved in, both you know tabletop and online. And so um, I, I sort of publicize out, hey, I'm going to be going to this tournament. Is anybody else going to go? You know, kind of thing. And mm. I sort of have an unwritten rule that actually when I'm going along without the girlfriend, I'll book a, a double queen room. And anybody else that's thinking about going that needs a room, you know, let me know, you know, kind of thing. Um, so from that perspective, it just all kind of tends to work out at that point. Right. So when did you think about hosting your first tournament yourself? Yeah, so actually, I hosted my first tournament because I was tired of waiting for tournaments to reopen during COVID. <laughs> so um, my first tournament would have been fall of 2020, I guess, um, back when COVID numbers dropped in the state of Michigan, finally, uh, and restrictions were somewhat laxed. Uh, I ran a small sevens tournament, uh, I think, in September of 2020. Uh, would have been the first one that I ran. Um, and it was pretty small. I think there were probably only six or eight people there. Um, it was very socially distanced. Masks were, I think, required uh, of people uh, at that one. Um, and then I started running them. Uh, there were enough people in town that were interested in, in, in attending fairly regularly. I started running tournaments kind of once every other month. Uh, on Saturdays uh, in my in my kitchen and living room, so to speak. Uh, so uh, I've since moved out of that house. That's not going to work anymore. But uh, as luck would have it, my family owns an Irish pub. Uh, so we're going to be moving games into the pub going forward. So I've got a few coming up. Oh, wow. I'm definitely going to have to make it up to Detroit at some <laughs> point. Then. There you go. Yeah, we would love to have you. Um, so how does it uh, compare running an event versus attending them? Yeah, well, uh, as as I know you know, because I've been to one of your events, I went to Don't Drink the Water Bowl a few years ago, you, uh, down there in, in West Virginia. Um, it, it's obviously very different. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's sort of, uh, 
I feel a real responsibility when I run uh, event to make sure that it's a good experience for everybody. And and I guess it really sort of depends on the type of event it is uh, and what size it is and, and how in depth it's going to be. You know, when I when I know I've got six friends coming over, um, sometimes I I won't even do prizes or anything like that. People just want to play. Um, you know, something on the other hand, like um, I'll be running the sevens event uh, the kickoff for Chaos Cup this year uh in orlando uh which i need one more person to sign up and it will be the largest pre-registered sevens event ever in the history of blood bowl um one for that obviously is going to have a whole lot more involvement uh and so from that perspective uh i i think it's a whole lot more work to do uh as far as as uh setting up a tournament that you're running um but extremely rewarding as well um i try with some of the smaller sevens events i'll play in my own tournament um, but I try not to if it's if it's of any particular size, uh, just because it makes it easier uh, to run the event and, and make sure that you can sort of float in order to do rules kind of stuff for people on the fly and things along that line. Put a fair amount of, of work in going to a tournament too, though, as far as, as roster theory and roster prep too, though. So it's not that there's no work. Uh, it's just, it's, it, it, I think it's a very different experience. You, so so uh, which do you like better, uh, hosting or attending no, i like playing only because i like to be the one with the ball so to speak um you know um but uh i i feel sort of i feel a responsibility to be involved in the tournament process as well uh, I, I learned pretty quickly that most of most of my friends have at least an event that they run every year um a lot of them do anyways um and and i i think that if if nobody's gonna do it there are no events for me to go to otherwise uh so i feel um, that it's it's a responsibility for me to sort of give back from that perspective and keep the game going. But um, if, if if truth be told, yeah, I like playing. Um, that brings up a good point. Um, and I have a question for you. So on the you know the bi monthly kind of uh, tournament events, if you're having a sure. more uh, camaraderie kind of thing, how you you said you hosted uh, some events in your house to have a little tournament, mm -hmm. have you ever had uh, have you ever played in those kinds of events? Uh, I have actually uh, one of my favorite events that I, I didn't run that was like that. Um, Brian Mitchell Extreme, uh, who lives in, in uh, greater Indianapolis area, uh, every year uh, runs um, a, I don't remember what he exactly calls it. It's basically Dwarf of Palooza. Uh, it's an all dwarf, all weekend event, and it's in his garage, basically. <laughs> um, and it was a, just a total blast. And, you know, not a huge tournament. I think there were, you know, somewhere between, 10 and 20 people there um but you know sevens one night um uh dwarf you could only play dwarf or shore frosters past dwarf rosters uh and uh uh you know and, and so it was it was really kind of a, a neat event from that perspective so um you know i've played in everything from you know the last several chaos cups since i've been involved in the game uh up to uh, I, I guess Euro Bowl was uh, the biggest tournament I was involved in. There were several hundred people at that. Um, though <laughs> obviously, uh, I think all of us will be at our biggest tournament this fall uh, when we go to Spain for for Alicante. It sounds like they've got twenty two hundred people. I think last I heard. So I saw twenty two sixty eight was the official count. That's going to be great for the game. Mm. It is incredible just how much it has grown in the last few years. And just how many people are getting out to tournaments and where tournaments are popping up all over the country right now. Uh -huh. um, 
Yeah, no, it's 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 really interesting. Uh, I just look it up. Uh, Brian calls his event the Big House Challenge because he's a bishop. He's a University of Michigan fan. Uh, he uh, runs that in uh, October. Yeah, it's been a bit more of a desert down here in the uh, southeast that isn't Florida, but it's starting to pick up. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot more people out there going to tournaments. So I've been, and actually, that's one of my one of my secondary goals as, as well as I'd, I'd like to I'd like to play in an event in every state uh, in the union. Uh, and so I I I watched the NAF page with with uh, great vigor. Um, and, and unfortunately, some of them I just haven't been able to go through. I was actually signed up uh, for for Zencia C this year, uh, and I ended up uh, having uh, a medical emergency in the family that, that kept me from being able to attend. But um, oh, we missed you, Sean. <laughs> but Georgia's we, starting we, to put stuff in as well. Alabama's starting to do stuff now yeah. too. Um, so it's it's nice yeah. To so see. Alabama's being well rep by two of my co-hosts, uh, uh, Riley and. Um... Josh. Um, so part of our thing here is what we're doing is trying to trying to promote Blood Bowl in this region and just in general. So Wonderful. that's why we're out here talking to everyone, uh, having great guests like you on. Um, so how do you like to set up your events for organizing a tournament? So the the majority of the events that I have run have been non-11s events, but I don't think that really kind of varies that much. Um, I've done some Dungeon Bowl, uh, done obviously a fair amount of 7s events as well. Um, I like to start a start with a base level of rules, and I, I, I tend to try and design an event that I would want to play at. Uh, and, and so for me, my personal favorite, I, I, I gravitate towards lower team value, lower skills kind of environments. Obviously, sevens you know, works well as far as that's concerned. Um, but uh, so from that perspective, I, I, I look for... Um, uh, sort of an event that is sort of within those typical normal frameworks as far as, as team value and, and build skills. That's not to say that every event I go to is like that. One of my favorite events every year is uh, the Barber family in outside Albany, New York, has an event called Infinity Cup in June, uh, where it's a 2 million team value build. Uh, so uh, I, I do like that, um, but I, it's, for me, it's more of a one-off than sort of the normal experience for tournaments. So I'm, I'm usually looking for for something along those lines. Um, and then setting up some kind of a twist, usually. Um, I think most tournaments should have a twist, should have a theme, should have something that's not just um, normal, I, I suppose. Uh, because it, it sort of helps your event stand out, I think. In that. And we'll uh, uh, get into that discussion a little bit later. Yeah. Tease up what's coming up. Um, yeah. Um, I think that it's it's true. I, I kind of like that. You know, it's like a a squee. You know, like the the orange and the blue moon kind of uh, to say. But like you said, you know, mm -hmm. we will touch up on that a little later. But uh, as you um, mentioned, you started in leagues for for a hot minute before you got into tournaments. And um, so, why don't you tell us about the leagues that you have played in and the league that maybe you are in now? Sure. Um, well, I, I began uh, in tabletop primarily, uh, and so there's there's two major leagues in, in the greater uh, Detroit area. Uh, one my brother Tim Cowley runs is called the, the Ferndale 4A Blood Bowl League, or FFBBL, uh, named after the town that he lives in. Uh, and it's um, sort of a, it's supposed to be sort of a, an entry-level league. Uh, it is sort of our, think of it kind of like our minor leagues for the other league that I'll talk about in a second as well. Um, 
it's it's designed primarily to be a teaching league, um, and so we're always trying to recruit in. We just finished up a season, and, and we're going to start another one uh, around Labor Day. I think we've got two or three new players that are going to join us, which is great. Uh, really looking forward to that. And that one's sort of designed to be um, a, a sort of a, a less intensive experience for people who play in both leagues. Sort of have an unwritten rule uh, that if you play in, in uh, the second of our leagues that you should play something that's not so great. Um, obviously, we've only got three tiers in, in second season global 20 rules, but we're talking old school tier three, tier four kind of stuff. So last year I played uh, Nurgle with random mutations. Uh, this year I'm going to play Slon with random generals, uh, stuff like that. Uh, my brother played Chaos Renegades and put no block, uh, you know, things, things like that. Um, the other league that we have locally uh, is uh, called the Hampton Village Blood Bowl League, HBBBL. Hampton Village uh, is the strip mall where the GW store is in the greater Detroit area, which is how it got named originally in that store. Uh, started by uh, a friend of mine and, and still member of the league uh, named Mike Bell, uh, GW Junkie. Now, uh, and uh, that one we've got uh, high teams uh, people typically every season. Uh, there are some very, very good players uh, that historically have played in it. Uh, Saul Nicely, for example, plays in it. Ryan plays in it uh, as well. Uh, that league has been going for, I think, 15 or 16 years. I've only been involved in it the last few. Uh, so those are my tabletop ones. Uh, I play in quite a few online. I run uh, a league of miscreants and ne'er-do-wells uh, on Fumble. It's sort of a collection of people I've picked up over the years. Um, it's called the Second Sons Blood Bowl League. Uh, if you couldn't guess from my nap name, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Uh, so uh, the Second Sons Blood Bowl League is through its, uh, I think, second full season right now. We're doing uh, kind of a goof-off tournament uh, on Fumble. Uh, anybody who would like to join is, is welcome to. Please just feel free to reach out. Uh, you can find me on Fumble. Uh, my nap name as well as my name is South Blackburn. Um, and so I, I run that. Um, I play in a fair number of leagues on Fumble as well. Uh, I'm involved in uh, the Super League uh, that's run uh, by uh, a bunch of the Euros. Uh, I play in, uh, I was in Tackle Star Division until that sort of uh, petered out. I think Super League's going to take that over. Uh, I have the Detroit franchises in uh, NBFL, the, the NFL-style high TV Blood Bowl League on Fumble. Uh, I'm also in Kynes NBBFL, which is the greatest league ever. It's a, a an all big guy league online. Um, so it's it's anybody strength five or higher, including secret league teams. Uh, uh, and if they would ever start it again, uh, I'm in the Kemry Premier League as well. Um, so uh, not all those are are live at any given time, but um, if I'm not at a tournament, I'm probably juggling fumble games uh, on the uh, on the evening. Played a Played a Super League game uh, against a uh, friend, uh, Glennamore, uh, uh earlier this afternoon. Uh, well. It's uh, it's awesome to hear that the uh, Hampton um, location has a, a Blood Bowl League. Um, I remember going there um, a while back, and and uh, you know there 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 wasn't one, so that that's cool to hear. I remember uh, my me and my friend a little up north from that. Uh, location. Yeah, I don't know if you ever heard the uh, little side comp bar here, but uh, you ever heard of the art gallery, the furniture store? Uh, yeah. 
I remember going in there and that like as teenagers back in the day that was our big thing we'd want to go in the art gallery and check out all the furniture and man the people would hate us because they they knew we weren't buying it <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so that that that's awesome so you got a, a little um touch in everything you know i i kind of got like you have this like pro league that you're going into and then you have you go you reach your hands out all the way to the secret league so you like to play everything in and, in and of between uh it, it i think it i think especially i think the goofy stuff that's not normal so secretly kind of things i think it makes you better because you you need to kind of think about you know interactions with skills and, and things it's all basically chess with dice anyway mm. right it's it's chess with variables included in it so I think all that just kind of makes me better, uh, or at least is fun, even if it's not making me any better. I'm going to say the uh, uh, the uh, league with the bigger guys in it sounds like an absolute blast with a bunch of people who ain't <laughs> picking that ball up, but um, are very good at punching Remember, each other. Oh, really I love cool. that league. <laughs> so for people for people that are listening, uh, it is the NBBFL league, uh, the the National Big Bass. Fumble League, uh, and it is uh, Fumble Group Number One Five Nine Eight Zero. Listen, it's great. I love it. It's mayhem. <laughs> so, um, how have you guys been bringing new people into the game? Because uh, this game only goes on if we get more people in. Yeah. So, a um, couple of different ways. We we have a fair number of people that were sort of interested in the first place. Um, and all of us are getting old enough now that, uh, you know, there are sons that are getting involved, uh, you know, daughters that are getting involved. Um, my brother also is a rugby player, uh, very good rugby player. I didn't get those genes. Um, my little, my little a bad brother, rugby player, is, but I always enjoyed playing it. My little brother's six, three, two, 45. Yeah. I'm not, you know, <laughs> so, uh, I don't have those genes, but he's got. There, there's a there's a fair amount of gamers that are in uh, the rugby scene in the Detroit area, and so that's been kind of a a, a gateway drug into getting people into our league uh, there. Uh, so that's that's been uh, one of the main ways uh, that we have, and and as well, um, uh, we tend to frequent a lot of the local gaming stores in the area. Uh, there are five or six good ones. Um, and so people just kind of know that we play and when they get people coming in, you know, I, I've, I've given contact to our contact info to a fair number of managers at, at stores in the area. People come in asking questions. We, we ask them to just send them our way and we'll get them in. And it's, it's good for the stores too, because, you know, as, as I'm sure you gentlemen know, once you're, once you're in, you start buying things and plastic crack is a real thing. Uh, yeah, I've definitely been uh, supporting my local store, and uh, when we set up our Blood Bowl League and getting everyone else to buy stuff. So, yeah. Do you get more people to play through sevens, or do you get more people to play through elevens? Like new, new, brand new people into Blood Bowl. Yeah, I have found that sevens is a great intro into the game uh, for a number of reasons. First off, obviously, the field is smaller, there's fewer moving parts, uh, there's fewer turns. Uh, I also think that it helps that it's a stripped-down version of the game. Um, and, and so from that perspective, there's fewer skills and therefore fewer special things you have to really worry about uh, with players. So I've, I, we've had success getting people to come to a Sevens event, uh, having a good time and sort of working their way into the game from that perspective. Um, and as well, it, 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 as 
a lot of these these games, you know, an average tournament game is somewhere between two and, and two and a half hours uh, long, depending on uh, the tournament that you're at. Sevens game's over in 45 minutes to an hour. So if you're getting your butt kicked, it's over a lot faster, <laughs> which I think can help with, with some of the newer players so that they get a reset and get to get to try again. Yeah, we've, we've had some success with that. That's a, that's a good point you bring up. Um, yeah, because, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, hour 15 even, um, you are able to fit in more games before you decide, oh, my gosh, I, I'm getting eradicated. I'm, I'm just done with this game. <laughs> You're willing to give it more chances. Yeah. You know, and we've done we've done dropping uh, kind of Friday night, come have a beer at the rugby club uh, and, and play some games kind of events, uh, not NAF sanctioned and, not, you know, not official, not, nothing like that. But, you know, we'll just my, my brother and I'll just bring a bunch of teams and a bunch of pre-made rosters and people can kind of jump into it quickly. And if they don't like this team, they can try the next team, you know, and then you're, you're playing something new in a half an hour anyways. Um, so we found it's it's sort of a good way to get people a fair amount of involvement quickly without, as you say, like the the the, uh, the doldrums of, of getting your brains beat in for the last 13 turns if the game is already over. I might have to steal that idea. Uh, a, a local game shop, the guy hosts um, uh, games nights at a local brewery and brings down a bunch of um, board games, and he's been on at me to come down and demonstrate Blood Bowl, and I just haven't had a chance yet, so... I think maybe coming down and doing some sevens is the way to go with that one. I think I think sevens is great. I think it's it's I think it's easier. I think it's an easier game for people to pick up, even than Blood Bowl is. Um, I I think it's it's also nice because um, it, it, as you know, it, you know, most people if they're going to come into the game, they're going to start with GW actual models as opposed to a third party uh, supplier, and and all the GW teams aren't full out of the box for an elevens team. I'm a dark elf player, and I have a seven. I have a second box of dark elves, uh, like everybody else does. Um, and and I think sevens is is nice because they're not going to need a second box as well a lot of times. Mm. So they can get in, they can buy the box, they can know that that's what they needed. Maybe they get another one later on when they want to join up for an elevens kind of thing. But um, I think it it makes it easier for people to get involved in that perspective. All right, we're going to move on now to the quick fire round. What's your favorite team to play? Dark elves, not close. No, no. What, what would it be the second one then? Long way uh, behind. Uh, the second one behind dark elves would probably be necro and then tomb king. So I just gave you three very <laughs> different teams. <laughs> very different. What's yeah. your least favorite team to play against? My least favorite team to play against is Skaven. Mm-hmm. I hate gutter runners with a passion. The gutter runners get you. They are very yeah, annoying. Runners get everybody. It's one of those teams where you can kill three of them in the fourth one. Oh, every nine. time. That movement nine. Shh. Yep. Most memorable moment in a game of Blood Bowl. My most memorable moment. Um, uh, I tied a game I never should have tied uh, because a guy, uh, it was at, uh, was it Mayhem in. Uh, in Austin in that first year once COVID reopened, so 2021. Um, the guy in turn 16 had to hit three, four-plus dodges with a catcher, uh, two go-for-its uh, into the end zone. Uh, he needed to dodge his thrower out, pick up in a zone, dodge out, double go-for-it, and throw it as long as he possibly could 
which wasn't far enough to get it to the guy in the end zone. So he needed it to be inaccurate and scatter onto his guy, and it did. So he tied. All that with no rerolls, by the way. Sometimes you just have to throw it to the Nuffle in the hope that he's uh, being kind, right? Sometimes, sometimes Nuffle says no. Yeah, <laughs> Nuffle says no quite a lot, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, my other, my other, my my close second favorite would be on my 40th birthday. I ran a sevens event, uh, and uh, a friend uh, in the area, and also my my co commissioner for the uh, the Hampton Village Football League. Uh, agreed that if I played goblins, he would play dwarves and take a death roller in sevens. Uh, and he did it just so that I could chainsaw blitz the death roller on the opening drive. Uh, and my my chainsaw got removed, uh, but so did his death mm. roll. So I count that secret weapon versus secret weapon. Can't <laughs> yeah, that was great. Double now I have images of a chainsaw against her. Over uh, against the steamroller, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Football throws. But up you know what? That, that's what makes yeah, the narrative so fun. Is like you can actually envision that, right? Like this chainsaw getting caught into yeah. a cog inside the death roller and just explodes. <laughs> like it makes almost sense. Like the guy gets ran over, but it chugs up the mower and boom. It was it was pretty fantastic. I also one time uh, I had a. Uh, one of my tournaments got picked up by uh, the Bonehead Podcast guys when they were doing, uh, they were like previewing sevens tournaments, especially. Um, and one of them uh, was an event that I was running. Uh, uh, and it was uh, an event where I won the tournament with Nurgle. Uh, and they were, they were like beside themselves trying to figure out how a Nurgle team won a sevens tournament. The answer is just roll sixes. <laughs> Everyone looks good when they roll a six. Right. So which do you like best, league games or mm, tournaments? It's like choosing between children, right? Um, but, oh, I could uh, choose which was my favorite child. <laughs> but don't tell I, them. I was just going to say, most, most, most it's parents... It's the one going to listen to my podcast. Most parents secretly admit they have a favorite, and if I had to choose one, it would be tournaments. Okay. Um, uh, which Blood Bowl variants have you played, and which one do you like the best? So I have played elevens, uh, obviously. I've played sevens. I've played dungeon bowl. Uh, I've played one game of blitz bowl. Uh, I have not played the new one that GW just came out with yet. Uh, I have played street bowl. Um, I have played so uh, death bowl sevens, which is great. Uh, Brian two runs a death bowl sevens tournament on Friday night every year before Rocky Mountain Rampage. It's one of my favorite things all year long. Um, death bowl. That's the one where you've got the, uh, four players, right? Where you got, you got four players. It's just carnage. I have never played a team where I have, I don't think I've ever intentionally picked the ball up actually in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, I want to give that one a go, but yeah. Trying to get four people together is always the complication. There, I, would, so. I would recommend not playing elves. Pick something they can hit. Mm. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, which is your favorite out of those? Uh, of my favorite? I really like Seven a lot. Uh, I like Seven's tournaments a lot. I like the I like the stripped down. And this kind of dovetails with what I was saying sort of earlier about, you know, kind of what I'm looking for in a tournament build. Um, I like relatively normal with a twist obviously but relatively normal blood bowl sevens there's nowhere to hide um so i, I think i like that 
All right, and there ends our short question sections, which wasn't that short in the end. All right, uh, let's uh, move on to talk a little bit about hobby. So, uh, yeah, so um, as for, so now we are moving into a realm where it's not just painting. It's not just picking up the uh, thing that comes in the mail that, you know, mom never let you touch because you would go ahead and beg her to, check every box in the book when it came. You know, we are now into printing, painting, all of the above. And so um, having not had a background in miniature gaming before, um, what do you, what did you like painting originally? And like, what do you like painting now? Has this, has this enticed you to paint anything else even? Have you like... Yeah, so... Uh... My first painting job uh, was the original boxed, well, the original, the original for me, the 2016 boxed works. Uh, and I think I painted them with uh, whatever craft paint they sold at my Pester's local craft store. Uh, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, stuff. I don't know. I don't even think it was that. I think it was like this. I think it was like the stuff that's made for like poster board. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't good. They didn't look great. I have since repainted them actually. Um, but uh, I, for me as well, I sort of came into uh, the game and therefore the hobby aspect of the game right around the time that COVID hit. And for me, it was nice because I was starting to get into the game, and 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 it gave me something that I could do that didn't require me to leave my house. Uh, so I'm still not a great painter. Uh, I pride myself on being good enough if nobody else is there to maybe win a Best Painted uh, award, uh, but by no means am I a phenomenal painter um, in that category. Uh, but I do a fair amount of painting, and actually I, I do donate some painted teams uh, at tournaments a couple of times a year anyways, I try to. Um, from there, I moved on to uh, 3D printing. Uh, I picked up a 3D printer about two years ago uh give or take i think the fall might be three years now uh so i've been involved in 3d printing at least for uh some time now uh, and and that's been great um that helps me to uh help out and sort of give back in the game i like to donate a, a printed team when i go to a tournament you know, it helps the tournament organizer out a little and, and frankly if if you know if you know anything about the 3d printing realm it's not really that big of an investment money wise uh to print the team especially these days, uh, you know, for under $10, I mean, probably more like $5 in print uh, a Blood Bowl team for somebody. Uh, you know, obviously there's there's time involved in, in you know, printing them and, and cleaning them and getting prepped uh, for them in that front. But uh, I, I like to do that and it sort of helps to grow the game for other people uh, as well. So I do a fair amount of that as well. And um, uh, I don't really paint anything else. I paint a lot miniatures uh, and, and these days uh, my new project I'm sort of I'm taking all my my 2016 GW plastic uh, and I'm converting it into dungeon bowl teams uh, so I'm using most of my GW stuff that way uh, it'll also allow me to go to GW official tournaments for things like that so actually on my painting table sitting next to me right now I've got all the skeleton related stuff from two undead boxes because I'm doing a GW uh, uh, Chemry team, actually. So that's what I've got on the go at the moment. Um, I also like to uh, convert over some stuff 
from other GW games. Um, so I've got a, a Zeech uh, you know, Age of Sigmar uh, Chaos team. Uh, I've got a Nurgle team where they're all 40k nice. guys. Uh, I, I think I've got I think I've got the most expensive Blood Bowl team that ever existed because I have an Amazon team that's all Sisters of Battle. <laughs> uh, so those models are expensive, obviously. Um, but uh, I'd love to see how so that works in uh, Blood Bowl. Did you like saw off the the guns and everything? There's a lot of there's a lot of snipping of guns involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, they they turned out pretty well. Uh, pretty happy with them. Uh, I like uh, the idea of converting other games stuff. Uh, so I haven't done it yet, but I've got a Hero Quest uh, Black Orc mm, team ready to go with cool. an Abomination as my troll. Uh, yeah, it it worked out pretty well from that perspective. Uh, my my old Bretonian team is a Song of Ice and Fire uh, uh, guys from the Baratheon uh, household. Um, so I do a little of that as well. Uh, I'm always on the lookout for a way to put something on a Blood Bowl picture to tournament that will surprise people. I gotta say, I was surprised by your, um, what was it now? Uh, your leprechaun things I played against you in Buckeye um, uh, yeah. Bash one year. Those yeah, were, I had those a, were, uh, had a, they did surprise me. I had a team of leprechaun flings at Buckeye Bash one year. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, those those guys were great. They were three uh, D printed. They're they're one of my favorite. I, I like cartoony kind of campy kind of guys as well. They're actually they're also easy to paint too, which is a bonus in that perspective. I'm also terrible at painting eyes, and so cartoon eyes are really easy. Um, and uh, I I love those uh, those uh, little little goofy. Uh, Guys, some of them are, are they got a lot of character on them. I'm going to say, as a personal preference, I don't like a lot of the standard teams because they're a tournament, because now I have to try and think <laughs> what this thing is. And um, those leprechauns were <laughs> really easy. You know, yeah, and as, as long as, I mean, there's a lot of rules that, that are out in, in different um, uh, tournaments that say things like, you know, this Cheeto, it can't be, a, you know, this Cheeto is a bull centaur, you can't do things like that. Um, but uh, I mean, as long as I can tell what the thing is, um, I don't really care. I mean, they're they're representations of you know a fictional creature in a fictional game, anyways. Um, so I don't really get hung up on a lot of that. But you know, I should be able to very quickly see that that's hundred percent make it presentable. If you're not going to go ahead and and make something, you know, a requirement like you must have this specific team made by this specific person, then there really shouldn't be too much of a qualm. hundred yeah. percent. I shouldn't, yeah, I shouldn't have to ask you 10 times in the middle of our game uh, mm -hmm. what this thing is. Um, it, should, it should be pretty apparent. Yeah. I've seen some incredible painted teams that I'm asking <laughs> that the whole way through. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. exactly. So, I want to get my, I want, I want to get the HeroQuest uh, uh, Blackboard team on. The uh, speaking of uh, painting up the unique teams, too, um, is, so, when does it become a point that you don't enjoy painting. And I, I guess like to give a little preface there, like for, you know, for me, you know, there's certain teams, like I, I feel like the harder I try, the more less I enjoy it, but the more I appreciate the result, but like, you, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, I, I have a friend that shall remain nameless that, that I think is sort of the opposite of me on that. If it's not capable of winning a golden demon, he doesn't want to be done with it, and he just never finishes. Um, and I think that that bothers him a lot. Uh, and and I, on the other hand, 
I try not to take it too seriously. Um, in part, you know, I don't make any claims to be you know, Michelangelo or anything. Um, my guys look fairly decent. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think for me, I, the part of it that I don't enjoy would probably be um, trying to tie together models that don't normally go um that can be and, and i'm and i'm dealing with that in dungeon in dungeon bowl now because they're not they they all don't look like oh theme wise you know, because it's different teams yes yeah right you know um but but short of that i enjoy the painting it relaxes me it's very different than anything else i do um on a daily basis uh, i'm an attorney i'm doing a lot of um you know oral argument stuff and a lot of writing from that perspective so it's a very different skill set uh for me and so it's just it's very relaxing for me so i find a lot of joy out of that hmm. that's a good way to put it okay so what events have you got coming up you'd like to let people know about so that they can come out and uh, come meet you sure so from that perspective you, do you mean events that i'll be going to or events that i'm running or both i don't know Oh, well, this, I was kind of more meaning uh, which ones you're going to be uh, running so people can come out to your sure. events. But if anyone would just like to come out and meet Sean, then um, yeah, you can advertise where you're going to be, I suppose. Sure. I know already this year uh, I will be at Gen Con in the, uh, the first week in August. I'll be at both tournaments that are uh, going on. I will be at uh, Cody Clerk's tournament, which I think is called Game Night Cup. That's in Ontario, Canada. Uh, in August, I'll I'll be in World Cup as well, and uh, and happy to happy to uh, buy and be bought drinks uh, there uh, during uh, the the festivities in Alicante. Uh, I'll be going back to Buckeye Bash uh, in Ohio. I'll be at Underworld. Uh, Saul nicely is running that in Greater Detroit area in October as well, uh, and I will be at Chaos Cup in Orlando for its inaugural year. Uh, the first week in November, I will be also sort of dovetailing in uh, to events I'll be running. Uh, I'll be running the kickoff event, Chaos Cup 7's event. Um, as I said earlier, we need one more person to sign up, and we will be the largest pre-registered 7's event ever. Uh, the Squad Chaos guys had 46 people at uh, one of the NAPC kickoff events, uh, I think, two years ago. Uh, and we are sitting at 47 people registered as we speak. Uh, so I'm looking forward to having quite a few people at that tournament. 220 people are registered for the main event. So I think that we'll probably not only beat uh, the NAFC event, I think we'll be fairly larger. So uh, we need a couple of people to flip that number up to get the record there. I, I know just, I can't... Need couple, just need a couple more and I can start crowing uh, to my buddy Thor who runs Squad Chaos. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I know that I won't be able to do that because I've got to drive in that day, so I won't be there <laughs> early enough to play. But uh, a couple, sure. you just need a couple more out of those two twenty to flip and get right. the record for the US. I'm also I'm also going to be running uh, some smaller sevens events uh, in the Greater Detroit area. If you'd like to come in and hang out with us, uh, they will be at my family's Irish pub uh, on uh, weekend days. Uh, we're going to run uh, one that's Lustrian themed uh, in August. Uh, Sunday, August 20th is the day we're going to be running that. All these are, these ones are not on the NAF page yet, but they're about to be. Uh, I was actually doing some pre-work this afternoon on them. Um, uh, we'll, I run a hollow, I'll run a Halloween themed one where we'll use the, uh, the Necro weather, uh, the kickoff tables, and, and our personal favorite locally here, the pumpkin ball, because it's hilarious when the ball explodes and they have to throw a new one in. Uh, that will be October 7th. 
and as well, I run a two-day sevens event in uh, December every year. It's called the Naughty and Nice List Sevens Events. We cut the uh, the sevens teams into two rough groups of you know good alignment teams and, and evil alignment teams. It's not quite correct because there's more evil teams than good teams. Um, but if you play the correct team on the correct day, you get a free Bloodweiser Babe as well. Uh, and people can play in one or both events, and I have prizes for the two-day event as well as uh, the single. Uh, that's tentatively going to be uh, February, or it's not February, sorry, December 2nd, December 3rd. Right, you heard him, folks. There's a whole bunch of events out there that you can get to and have some fun rolling some dice and cursing duffle. All right, this will wrap up our section, and we'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Players to Nuffle. I'm inviting you to Matt's free Chattanooga World Cup warm-up, where you can practice for Spain or just get in the fiesta spirit. The event will be Saturday, August 5th at my place in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Space is limited, so you must pre-register. We will be using the World Cup roster creation rules, and for full details, check out the NAF tournament section, including how to register. So... To our discussion topic now, and so for discussion it is, all right, specifically, do you have tournament quirks, and why should you have one if you do have one, and, and do you like to admit it, even, um, and and when is the right time to have one, right? So we're going to go get into these kinds of uh, topics um, as we go, and so uh, specifically a tournament quirk, quirk is something that is kind of like a change to the rules, something that you implement in your tournament. Um, so Sean, I guess um, if, if you want to give a quick shout out, uh, give us an example of uh, a quirk that you have involved in your tournament. What has been an added rule that you've kind of implemented? Sure. Uh, I've, I've run a number of sevens events, and, and a lot of times I like to incorporate something a little a little gimmicky, a little goofy. And, and my general thought process and something that's interesting but not game-breaking or totally game-changing. So, for example, uh, I, you know, I ran a Dungeon Bowl event at Infinity Cup this year in June, uh, where in addition to playing Dungeon Bowl, there was also a room where uh, it was a slon, you know, uh, uh, Aztec temple theme kind of thing. And there was a slon idol that you could pray to. Uh, and it might give you uh, a slon related skill like diving tackle or leap, or it might uh, stun or KO your guy. Uh, so that's kind of an example of, of one kind of in-game <laughs> gimmick or theme or something along. So you had to move to that dungeon square. Yeah, I gave people an extra action. It was called a play to, pray to the Slan God's action. And so you could either start in the room or you could move into the room. It ended your action uh, once you did it. Um, but you rolled a D8, and uh, whatever the die said, you ended up getting that thing. And most people, uh, most people didn't uh, actually even try it because they were afraid they were going to get kicked out. But uh, I had a guy who got diving tackle, and it was very helpful. Hmm. Again. I think that, that's a good way to go ahead and put it um in that is that uh you know you bring up a good point how you went ahead and now then explain that is that if you're going to have a rule like that it has to be hammered in the head you know um make it so that it is understood by the entire group the entire player base of that tournament what the rule exactly is yeah, I also think, you know, I think it's important to have something that differentiates your tournament a little bit. Look, there's nothing wrong with a regular, you know, 1.1 or 1.15 and 
five or six skills tournament and no special stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think everybody kind of likes it, you know, when there's at least something that's a little bit different about your about your tournament uh, that, that sort of changes things in-game. But uh, it shouldn't be terribly complicated. Your, your people should be able to figure it out. And I would prefer it usually not be ridiculously game-breaking. So do you think it's a good idea just to have something which says adds in an existing mechanic? So like, say, pulling something out of uh, like special skill that you give it to different people or just just something where you're using an existing mechanic already. Is that a good place to start? I think that, I think that, that can I think that that can be helpful a lot. It can be something as simple as, you know, playing with a special weather table um, or, or or something along those lines uh, or. You know, you can add a new player theoretically to rosters. You know, a lot of tournaments will do that. Just make sure that's not like a word answer. You know, um, I I've uh, I ran a, a sevens event around uh, St. Patrick's Day one year where I gave everybody a fumble secret league leprechaun, um, which is you know it's kind of like a goblin with strip ball, uh, and but the the gimmick was it only came on the field when you rolled a seven. <clears throat> So your first seven, it could be a deviation on the kickoff. It could be your first armor roll. It could be something like that. But the first seven you rolled, lucky seven, your leprechaun's on the field. Um, kind of, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the, the only thing that mattered in the game. It wasn't the only way you could win. Um, but, you know, so I, I think something like that can be, can be nice sometimes. You know, um, the, lots of tournaments do special kickoff tables, which have, you know, particular stuff on them. Brian, too, for example, at Rocky Mountain Rampage has a bunch of stuff where Bigfoot might do something mm, during the kickoff. I like that. Is, and he gives Bigfoot models away. So uh, it, it, uh, it works out pretty well from that perspective. I think it's a nice way to tie in whatever the theme of your mm. tournament is. Uh, I think you bring up a really good point with that, is that if you're going to have a special rule, you have to own it. Own the rule. Make mm -hmm. it the theme. And then it kind of blends with the game. Yeah, and I think that I think that that's a good way to do that. You know, I've got a uh, my my buddy Brad Arterbury uh, in in Austin runs Mayhem, and and he's turned it into kind of a frenzy event. So he gives people I think two extra skills. They both have to be frenzy, and everybody gets acorn. You know, so there's frenzy all over the place. You know, kind of thing. Um, some tournaments do special passing. You know, uh, three die brawl gives away. Uh, a special award for the number of three die blocks. I was actually there two years ago when a guy had like 160 of them. I think he had wow. he had uh, he had a yeah Pete. he had an undead team with frenzy mummies. Being a former <laughs> Iowa resident, I got to experience that. People really go for that, and I, I struggle to get yeah. maybe like four or five three die blocks in an entire game. And there's people <laughs> racking up 100 plus on the day. Totally, totally right. You know. Um, and, and, you know, and that doesn't totally become game-breaking in that particular event. I think he went 0-3 when he had, like, 163 <laughs> die blocks. He was re-rolling POWs so that he could get pushes so he could get another 3-die block, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it, that's fun and all. I, I think that it can, it can be, it can go too far sometimes, right? Um, and, and I think that, um, I, I, I guess, sort of like the old adage about pornography, sometimes you just know it when you see it. Um, Does that ever put you, you off know, going I, to a I, tournament when you've seen something is like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. That's too much. You know, sometimes, um, or you know, a lot of the tournaments that I'll I'll go to are ones where I know people that are going to it, or I know the people that are running it, um, and there's probably some adverse selection involved there, and that a lot of those individuals aren't running the really really goofy stuff. Um, the other side of that coin too is that the more you change the core mechanics. Um, 
the less likely it is the NAF is going to sanction your event uh, as an 11s tournament. They might make you a specialist tournament, for example. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, um, but I would venture to say that, you know, and, and I'll probably still go with 10 special. So just like talk about classifying different types of um, quirky tournaments. So we can have ones where you've got some roster selection things. You've got some things where they add in some extra stuff like star players. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe everyone gets a wizard. You have other ones where you'll get bonuses or there'll be awards for doing certain things. So like we mentioned in three die brawl, you get the trophy for doing the most three die blocks in the day or um, one's coming up commonly these days is people like to add a passing award. At least I do um, to try yeah. and make people like occasionally throw the ball around just for fun. Um, you've also got um, uh, tournaments where you'll have an effect in a certain game. So like in the Chaos Cup in the last round, you get the bonus player and one player gets a mutation. Um, so the, these are all different examples of um, how people theme their tournaments. Um, and then people theme them around a certain time of the year. So you'll get a lot of Halloween-themed tournaments we talked about earlier. You'll get uh, uh, tournaments which are themed around the location they're occurring, something significant about that. So the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they give people uh, chainsaws. Um, yep. So these are all... Ex- I, played against, I played against a guy who had Black Orcs and uh, nine chainsaws that one year. Mm, that yeah. sounds insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that... that do you enjoy playing at these kind of events where they got very different rules then? You know, uh, so I play enough tournaments that a goofy one-off is fine for me. Um, if I was only going to play in a couple of tournaments a year, I would like to play in a tournament where I think I felt like the rule, the special rule didn't carry the day. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a balancing act to be done there. And, and, I'm never going to tell a tournament organizer they can't run a tournament, uh, you know. But um, I, I think that, in general, I think that we, as as tournament organizers, I think that we have to take into account our audience, and especially the fact that I think the more you change the core rules uh, and, and the the game mechanics, uh, you know, if you want to run Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Jason Campbell, who runs that's another friend of mine, you know, so I don't want to speak ill, but. The more you change core mechanics, if you give somebody nine chainsaws, um, it's going to be the newer, less experienced player that's going to be less capable of adapting to that. And if it's their first tournament, we run the risk that they never come back again. I I think you bring Um, up a perfect point there in that uh, quote on you there, uh, know your audience, that it has to be something well-established. For instance, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know what you're going into, period. Period. You know what you're going into. Like, you are not going into a game where it's like, oh, add a tree man to every team. That sounds like a cool tournament Mm -hmm. if you played before, and it's like, hey, I have 10 other guys who want to have a fun time with this. You create a player base, you get that good, and then anyone else who wants to join, you can go ahead and make that happen. But if you don't have that audience to begin with, it makes that a little bit weird and like it just creates, like you said, know your audience. So we can create themes yeah, out know. there without having to necessarily mess with the um, rules so much. So that's one thing people should consider that they can always just have something, have an event themed around a certain thing without even changing the rules. Just have your deck all set that way. You could say have a Hawaiian themed yeah. tournament. Everyone's got to wear a Hawaiian shirt. It doesn't affect the game, for example. Um, so. 
and it could be it can it can also be as simple as um you know these days uh there's a fair number of weather tables um you know in in the core rule book in in extra spikes that come out uh, death zone has i think 10 or 12 different mm -hmm. uh weather tables i think a fair number of them at sevens events um and it can make things a little bit different yeah, we did actually a four um, seasons of sevens at uh Nuffles playground where we okay. did four different weather tables for each round i've used the i i run a, a tournament every year where um it's it's uh underworld themed warpstone kind of idea and i use the underground oh, one the one where uh the more strength five players are on the field the more likely like stalactites are going to fall off the ceiling you know kind of thing um which can get a little weird that one's a little weird for my taste uh but you know a, a changing changing the way the game is played is not the end of the world as long as it's not totally different yeah um so i, I think kind of my point of view is that if you're offering tournaments you should at least have some like regular straight up ones in the year which uh pretty much you know what you're getting you can get new people come they'll turn up they'll know what the rules are and they're not going to be surprised yeah um i think and i think along those lines i think it, it it behooves a new tournament organizer if you want to put a tournament together take a look at the other tournaments in your area during the year um because now everybody's not like it isn't like me everybody doesn't go to, to tournaments all over the place all the time probably going to be drawing people that go to tournaments in you know a couple of state radius from you depending on what region of the country you and that's at. going to be different uh, from the uk to the us all right yeah um, british, yeah, british sure. people think an hour and a half is a long way he will drive four hours and that's nothing right <laughs> that's that's true my, my my larger point i guess is kind of know who your pool of people is going to be and, and get an idea of what other events they're going to go to um and making an event that's slightly different than everything else is is probably a good idea if you live in a place that plays a bunch of high level tv blood bowl tournaments during the course of the year maybe don't make one more high level one or even like play with their comfort zone even you know like if they're um if they're meant if they're made if they've played with many you know i'm gonna go over five skills you know maybe don't go to low end skills make sure that they can still add those skills that they kind of like maybe like oh man i really like those like four guard uh big and blockers or something so maybe you know change it a little bit but not too much like oh you can have four skills yeah, I think that I think that things along the that line I think make a lot of sense. And, and and again, I I find enjoyment in I can find enjoyment in any any rule set. Um, you know, because for me it's larger than just the 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 actual competition that's going on at the tournament. Um, but I think that I I think it's a, a tournament organizer should be thinking about these things from the perspective of the people they think they're going to have coming to their tournament. So have we seen a little bit too much of everyone uh, piling in with the World Cup rules this uh, year and <laughs> stifling diversity a little bit? I've had I've had a fair number of them. Uh, I think so. Last year as well, there were a fair number of builds that looked a whole lot like the Chaos Cup build. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think that that just that just kind of happens. 
last year there were a fair number of tournaments that I don't know if people who didn't go to Euro Bowl knew or not, but there were a lot of tournaments that looked like the Euro Bowl rules, which kind of look like the World Cup rules now. Um, so yeah, there's been a fair amount of that this year. Uh, I won a couple of those tournaments this year though, so I can't be too upset about it. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I think especially for something like World Cup, I think it makes more sense for us as a community to lean into one rule set when we're all trying to figure out what we want to take. Um, but sure, I, I would agree. There's a tipping point at some point where it's just too much, you know, seven tiers and different amounts of skills. And yeah, I I would agree. I don't know that I personally got to that point, but that's going to vary, you know, region by region, depending on what kind of tournaments are available. for me personally out here it's basically a matter of what's on and that i can get to and if anyone's putting on anything i'm basically going to turn up with within four hours <laughs> if it's hosted sure. at least one weekend away from the previous one so sure sure so in my case it doesn't really matter what your theme is i will probably be there if you're proximate to me um but uh i do like the themes when it when it's a nice well thought out idea it's not too too much and just adds a little bit of flavor so that I remember it and go back. Ogre High Open. I got tempted into playing the Ogres last time and I regretted that. So Yeah, I I've I've I I told Sean that as long as he kept it being Ogre I would never not bring Ogres. <laughs> yeah. He tempted me with that last time and it's like, oh you get so much being ogres, but they're still ogres at the end of the day. <laughs> And you know what? Um, I, I think that's a, a great example of making it the flavor, quote unquote, there, the flavor. Um, that a rule set should make things fun, but not groundbreaking to the point that it minimizes other teams. Uh, and I think that's a great way yeah. to kind of segue that, actually, because Ogre High Open, there's still the ability to win without Ogres, even though that there's this specialization towards Ogres. You don't want anything to go ahead and overwhelm a tournament. Um, I think that's a very big deal. Yeah, I think, I mean, in thinking about it, I believe OWA won last year. Uh, in part because I had a brain fart and dodged a player away from a Slayer thinking I didn't knobler next to a Slayer and, well, that let him crowd surf one of my ogres. Um, but uh, the two years before that, I think Mike Kuhn won the tournament with ogres. So, you know, it, it certainly wasn't game break from that perspective. But, you know, for, for listeners that aren't, aren't familiar, Ogre Hio runs a, a fairly normal build. Uh, in all ways other than there's just a little bit of a buff for the ogre team. So non-ogre teams have to take both an APO and a Bloodwiser base. So think of it kind of like attacks on, on, on other uh, teams. Now, you're, you're helping ogres, which are historically one of the worst teams in the game, to play well. He also bans star players except for his one particular star, so it's not like there's going to be a bunch of ogres with Drift running. Or, um, but, you know, it just just sort of makes it a little bit more themey, and, and obviously he's into the ogre thing there. Now with that, Sean uh, Cowley has been a, um, or Sean uh, Hennessy has um, been a avid Blood Bowl player for the for a very long time. So the thing is, is that something that is ogre centric has some thought behind it before it goes ahead and and's played. Um, and I think that's also very important to note here, right, is that 
we are going about something that that has been almost non-meticulously planned, but meticulously planned through just experience. That we have to go ahead and make sure that everyone's going to be okay with a rule set uh, before it is presented. Yeah, you know what you're getting into. You know you're going to run into a few ogres, and you you have to deal with that and uh, have a great time. Um, I I like that one as a theme. Um, anything which has a wordplay is uh, it gets a thumbs up from me. So I, I think uh, another thing to mention is um, exactly what are you planning for? I think that's a very big important part of the rule set. I feel sometimes. Um, if we're going to go ahead and talk about that, you know, if we're going to do a custom rule set is what are you going ahead and wanting from your player base? Do you want them? Uh, and I think that changes actually, you know, from year to year, even, um, that there is almost a societal, you know, like getting like a little bit like in depth here, but, um, in, in what people want, do you want to go ahead and have a standard, tournament do you want a what like almost league style i mean for the longest time actually i felt a lot of tournaments were like that like hey look a million point five right so we're we were having like 1050 tournaments for a while where it was just very base very low skill package and um and now it's been you know like three skills a piece and now i i've started to see a turn towards more skills not extraordinarily more but like five or six uh whereas i feel like back in the day it was more like three or four and uh so i feel like you kind of uh you know it's it's a it's a trend and it's whatever's being played most is almost like what the tournament's going to be like and then you have to go ahead and acknowledge yeah. that in your tournament. I don't know if that's kind of like explains it very well, but I feel the thing is, is that you have to go ahead and be upfront about what the tournament's going to be. Is it going to be something that is solidary or is it going to be something that is more towards the meta? Sure. And I think as well, uh, obviously this isn't the, the central focus of the idea. Um, this section that you guys want to talk about, but I think it bears mentioning based on what you just suggested. I think a tournament organizer these days has to figure out what they're going to do about star players. As well. um, they're just, there's, they're a significantly more important part of the game than they were before. Um, and so how are you going to treat stars? Is it open season? Uh, is it no rules? Is it no, no detriments? Are you going to have skill penalties? Are you going to ban certain stars? Um, you know, because your tournament will look very different depending on those. Um, and so as well as theme, I think that that can kind of go into the theme because that will definitely curate the experience that the, uh, that your, your people showing up to your tournament will have. So do you think this, uh, particular aspect with stars, which clearly has had a big effect over the last few years is affecting how people do themes? Yeah, yeah I, I think, I think it absolutely is. And yeah. so does that mean that? It, some themes are now less eligible as ideas, or does it mean that that in there's narrowing the space of people get to play in of coming up with ideas? Personally, I think uh, no. I just think that you need to take into account how the star meta is going to affect or be affected by your theme. 
Um, and I think for the most part, most of that can be dealt with um, in uh, dialing up or down the skill penalty associated with taking certain that's, star players. That's a good um, point. A you know, um, if you're, if you, so for example, I was at um, a tournament in New York in January. Uh, the Barber family ran a tournament called New Year's Bash. Uh, and there was no star penalty for anyone anywhere. And basically every, not everyone, but of the 26 people that were there, there were probably 18 either bomber dribble snot or uh, Cindy Pie whistles uh, because everybody mm. wanted a bomber. Because why wouldn't you have a bomber? Um, you know, so um, be aware that, that how you treat star players may have an effect on the overall tournament. And just know, and that doesn't mean you can't do that. It doesn't mean, you know, like I said, I'm never going to tell a tournament organizer how to run the tournament, at least as far as what they allow and what they don't. Just know that it's going to happen. If that's what you're okay with, then then run with it, and that can be cool. But it, it's certainly a part of it these days. I just could take a moment to circle back to kind of like a more broad overarching thing. Um, and I haven't got a lot of experience playing other games in competitive environments, but I'd just like to recognize that Blood Bowl has a lot of space to do a lot of different mm. things and add these themes to it, that other games probably a little bit less flexible in doing that. Yeah. And, uh, am am I right in that intuition, do you think? I mean, I, I don't play a lot of other super competitive games, but my experience is that it, it does have sort of an ability to be malleable. I think it so depends on the format play. that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to play a lot of competitive card gaming. Um, and there is definitely a more strict environment towards that. Um, it's one of the reasons I've only moved to Blood Bowl myself. Um, but I feel like with Warhammer, you know, like 40k and such, um, too, there is a very strict window, but they also create that strict window. See, in Blood Bowl, there isn't three tiers. There isn't narrative tier, normal tier, and competitive tier. There is just Blood Bowl. And does the fact that uh, we hand out a lot more trophies than other game systems... Oh, 100%. I mean, like, come on. We're, Blood Bowl is Blood Bowl. We're here to have a good time. Period. That's what it's about. That's why I quit Warhammer. <laughs> you know? I took, I, took a, I took a stunty underworld team to a 2 million uh, build tournament just because it was hilarious. So, yeah. Um, totally. I, you know, also, I think... What we've kind of talked about is brings up a really good point. And if we set every tournament to one million, right? No one point, no ten fifty, no ten one hundred, no ten two hundred. If we set everything to one million, would star players play as big of an impact? Would Griffith Oberwald be a problem? Would be uh, Creek Rust Gouger? be a problem would bomber dribble snot be a problem at one million well my my answer to that is yes and no um i i think every team value and every skill package associated with a team value um invites different teams to be viable and forecloses some teams to be viable um, you're still and 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 the star player thing, yeah, it's going to be a little bit different at one, but um, 
I took I took a one million human team with Griff to to Gen Con last year. So it is possible to break still it. See some of it. But what you're gonna see is you're gonna see specific teams. Uh, you know, they're they're favored in an event like that. Uh, you know, Underworld can still run two good stars mm. at a million, but Nurgle can't even field their guys. You know, neither can Necra. Um, so you're gonna. I, I think there's a there's a narrowing that goes on there. Um, but teams that have access to cheap star players like Bomber Gribble Snot and Cindy Pie Whistle, for example, uh, will still absolutely play those uh, players if they're not penalized. So do you think that yeah, totally. it should be something that is, do we raise the cost of those players? Do we omit those players in a tournament setting? I'm not a NAF expert by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not a NAF officer. I'm not say a member, but my understanding is there's only so much you can limit particular stars without losing accreditation but you can do other stuff and, and so the things that i have seen that i have liked the most um the best setup i have seen um and it's not just because he's the nap president um but uh, uh the, the the best one i've seen nate beam runs uh the accc uh the atlanta coast cherry cup my favorite way of dealing with it is I think he has four tiers of teams uh, and he has a zero tier essentially and zero tier is tier one with a star. And if you want to play tier mm. one with a star, you can do it. You just don't get any skills. Um, and if you want to take a star on a tier three team, you move up like to the tier two level. So you get far fewer skills. Uh, that, that seems to help, uh, you know, a flat skill penalty kind of like World Cup has done can work as well. Um, I think that, for better or worse, stars are here to stay, and star access is here to stay. I mean, unless and until GW changes the keywords and takes, you know, Hackflem off of a Nurgle team, for example, um, you're, you're going to see certain teams, you know, spamming certain stars in greater frequency than others. Um, but, you know, it's just, I think it's just something that the, the tournament organizer needs to take into account. And again, that doesn't mean a tournament that's no holes barred, that's got, you know, kind of free-for-all that doesn't mean it can't be a fun tournament it just kind of affects and, um, the way the whole thing i'll, I'll totally agree with you that and i want to kind of like stay towards you know the the flavor of of changing of a tournament so i don't want to jump into it too much more um but like with star players um you know it's it's kind of fun to run that theme because you never get to run that in a league and so i definitely do sympathize with that um as with uh tournaments and having that flavor um so what is your opinion of adding a star player to a tournament it does is that ground breaking is that something that should be added like a, like a special star player oh, let's say we call it you know the um yeah and especially i don't think it's groundbreaking I especially don't think it's groundbreaking if it's something that everybody gets. So, for example, like the star player in round six of Chaos Cup. Um, you know, I, I don't think that that's particularly problematic. Though, if I were on the top table in the final round in Chaos Cup, I'm not sure I'd want a special star mm. determining whether I won or lost the, the quote-unquote national championship for North America. But um, I, I digress on that front. I don't think there's a real problem with that in general. Um some of the some of the stars that people have created for particular events i just I, I think that they're great they're gimmicky they work in with theme uh sean hennessy for example at Argo ohio has a star player noblar uh, who's not great but you know he's interesting uh and you know he, he makes some sense for certain teams to take 
Um, and so from that perspective, uh, I think that that can, um, that can work well uh, and can dovetail into your theme nicely. So is a good thing about having a theme that you're presenting a new challenge for people to try and solve a different problem? Sure, yeah, because I mean, ultimately, you're, you're, you are changing the way the game is played from that perspective. Um, uh, and so, you know, just make sure that you don't, uh, 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 you don't do too much of it. Okay, I think that's been a really great discussion. So I'd just like to thank our guests uh, for being here with us today. I give lots to think about. And thank you very much. And get out to see Sean sometime in the future. You're bound to bump into him if you're somewhere in the US. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, happy, to, happy to be here. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing everybody at an upcoming tournament somewhere. All right. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to Players to Knuckle. The musical interlude is Lost Souls performed by Portrayal and is available on the Free Music Archive. See you next time, coach!